Broadcasting live from the Manic Confluence on the plane of generic Commander Precon reprint. This is Tap Tap Concede. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This week, I'm Kathleen, and joining me is Wheeler. Thank you for having me, Kathleen. It's great to be here. It may be great for you, but for viewers who are watching this, please be aware that I am wearing sunglasses because I'm just getting over having a migraine and have a blanket on my lap because it's cold in the office. So, actually, I'm fairly comfortable right now. <laughs> Glad of it, yeah. This is good. Uh, but, and before we get any further, I just want to say thank you so much for your p fine support. We could not do this podcast without you over at patreon.com slash loading already run. You're the reason that I get to wear a pair of sunglasses and a big old blanket on stream or uh, while we're recording today. And also Card Kingdom. You can't get my sunglasses or blanket there, but you could get a variety of cards. Cardkingdom.com. Say Loading Ready Run sent me button, please, and they'll send you a button. Which, if nothing else, will say Card Kingdom, a kingdom of cards, but maybe something else. Ooh. We'll see. All right. This week, with all our business out of the way, this week's topic is mom lore. There's a lot of Easter egg mo references in mom, and... We wanted to bring them all to you. I was going to do some research too, but this is like 99.9% .9 Wheeler because I aforementioned headache, blah, blah. So first up, going in our list, we have Asgol, which is a plane. Ooh, yes, the invasion of Asgol. But where is Asgol? Wheeler, take it away. So Asgol was originally depicted on a Plane Chase 2012 card called the Layer of Ashen Idol. Uh, it's a plane with the, at the beginning of your upkeep, sack a creature if you can't planeswalk. And when you roll chaos, uh, any number of target players make a uh, 2-2 zombie. So it's a dark and volcanic plane that is covered in ash from this massive spewing volcano. Presumably where people go and sacrifice to the idol. Right, that's because that's um, that's uh, it's on volcanic spite too, isn't it? In yeah. the flavor text. Yeah. It's like the Phyrexian don't know they're supposed to make a, a sacrifice, and then so it's getting zapped. Yes, yeah, they. Uh, it's a long line in a series of these invasions where the Phyrexians are, well, in this case, I guess, melted by their hubris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. There's not much told about this one in particular. Uh, same with a couple of the other planes that we have, but it's a cool one that I like it as a plane for just little bits and pieces like this mm. i think it's pretty hard to do like an entire set on this very dark and kind of brutal world mm -hmm. but yeah. as a hey check it out we throw zombies and or phyrexians into here yeah yeah it's a nice little touch I, my head canon is that elish norn didn't implant plan to invade like every single like even these kind of like weird pl planes all at once mm -hmm. but then with like nissa she was able to, like, Nissa was able to, like, steer Realm Breaker. So Nissa was like, oh, yeah, I can make it connect to, like, every plane on the multiverse. Yeah. And Norn was like, ah, I'm so smart. It was All of them all at once. It was cheaper to just get every plane, even if they know that they're probably not going to use some of them. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. Who needs the... There's a shipping discount. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Speaking of speaking of planes that are from Plane Chase, uh, many of the sort of deep cut planes are Plane Chase planes. Yeah. But tell me about Bellinon. So Bellinon, on Invasion of Bellinon, is a plane that was originally depicted in two separate planes from Plane Just 2020, 12, no, 2012. 
from 2012, not 2020-12. We're not there yet. The year 2012-2012. Time is a sure thing. Um, depicted on wind riddle palaces and the edge of Malakol. We have wind riddle, uh, wind riddle, wind riddle palaces. That's a heck of a word to say mm-hmm. on screen right now. Oh, and I can see like sort of the fancy Bellinon in inspiration there, right? It's got all yeah. like this filigree stuff going on. Yeah. So my notes here say that the palaces here depict large filigree spires with blue skies and green pastures, um, but that is not really visually connected to the other plane. Or sorry, the other plane chase card, the Edge of Malakal, which is just a kind of an achromatic setting that hmm. when I look at it, this reminds me of original Mirrodin. It's like if they did original Mirrodin in twenty twelve. I mean I guess they did kind of go back to Mirrodin in twenty twelve, but Yeah, when was Scars at Mirrodin? Twenty eleven to twenty twelve. Yeah. <laughs> I I guess. Um <laughs> We do have some notes, though. Uh, Belladon is an animal-humanoid plane. So all the creatures, which, again, this maybe also kind of disputes, but at least this is what Morrow said, and this is what Morrow said recently. So there's some, you know, for a plane like this, when they pulled it as a deep cut, they're like, well, what are we doing with this? We want to start giving some actual identity to the plane. Um, It, uh, yeah, animal-humanoid, not hybrids. There's animal humanoids, the anthropomorphized uh, versions of animals. So like Loxodon, uh, the elephants, rocks, the rhinos, and even uh, bird people. Mm. So judging for this, there's no actual animals, at least ones that are on all fours, contrary to the animal that is on all fours in this art right. Can we get the backside of the invasion of Bellinon, please, James? Because it turns into the Bellinon War Anthem. And then you can see an elephant person and maybe a rocks. I don't know. This is like, the, yeah, there you mm-hmm. go. You can see those elephant people in the background. And there's uh, rocks there and stuff like that. Got a bird. This is the bebop and rock steady. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the winds are kind of important. Again, we don't know too much. The sacred winds, mm. which I'm looking at the artwork for the wind riddle palace which i mean it has wind in its name and also the construction of it looks like it allows for some kind of airflow through the tower oh i hate that um (laughs) a nice brisk uh tower gotta love it great well there we go now we've known a little bit more about bellinon speaking of old cards i've really only got so many transitions here but tell me about ergamon so ergamon is kind of a this is a real deep cut. This is a cool, cool one right here. So on a card, Ergamon was originally depicted on, guess what? Another Plane Chase card mm. from Plane Chase 2012 uh, called the Truga Jungle. Got a very lush jungle there. Uh, is this the one that is extremely annoying? No. Whenever you is... roll Chaos, reveal the top three cards of your library. Put all land cards revealed this way into your hand, the rest on the bottom of your library. Yeah. No, that's actually, on all lands are any color. This is an extremely not... fun play. Yeah, that's great. We love People... Truga Jungle. People get... <laughs> we here at LRR love Truga Jungle, and we hope you do too. So this is the first time it's depicted. However, the first time that Ergamon is mentioned 
goes all the way back to 1994. What? In the Magic the Gathering Pocket Player's Guide. So in, I believe it was uh, released with Revised, I want to say. But the Pocket Player's Guide is this little book that would come with like what was effectively like starter decks at the time, or you could buy them as a, like a, a like almost a gift box. Mm-hmm. I was three years old. I don't, I don't know. And I couldn't even find uh, too much information on how you got the pocket player's guide, but I did. Thanks to the lovely internet archive. Uh, I was able to rent the pocket player's guide and read through it. Uh, archive.org is a great service. Gotta love it. I give them money every year. So should you. I pay WinRAR. That's not true, but I got James to laugh. Uh, so in the Pocket Player's Guide, there is a section. Uh, the, the guide itself is actually written by Richard Garfield. Ooh. And there is a section called The World of Dominia, which is written by Richard Garfield. Dominia being different from Dominaria. Dominia was kind of the... I don't know, what do you want to call it? Like the original kind of multiverse naming, kind of like Pangea-ish for magic. Um, And there was, in addition to that, there was a little story uh, where uh, Richard Garfield speculates on the nature of the multiverse in which magic is set. And the short story is called uh, Rorica's Tale that begins with a paragraph on... Ergamon. What? Yeah, it's uh, Ergamon is described as a small hidden plain and as having colossal peaks and exotic fauna, mountains, ravines, and trickling streams. And I like this a plain filled with wild animals, though no bears. <gasps> Serac and Gorklora are disappointed. Yeah, it's uh, don't know why they really needed to specify the bear part. Other, well, I guess. Maybe it's a character trait for, um, ah. oh, who is, Rorica is like a, they were the familiar for what other wizard is there traveling on Ergamon. It's, it's, you can't see it because I'm caught, co- I'm covered by this plane and likely will be for a majority of this, uh, podcast. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. It's very 1994. I will say that, mm. reading through it. Mm. It's very, mm. uh, that era of fiction. I see. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. There's the surprisingly deep history of Ergamon. And I'd say, I'd say, like, honestly, it sounds like they sent they sent that description to Jim Nelson. And he's like, all right, mountains and ravines, check. Exotic fauna, yeah, check. Check, got it. All right, yeah, yeah Ergamon, depicted. Uh, speaking of depicting planes, let's go to a plane that's maybe not from Plane Chase, but it is a plane that people have been excited to see depicted. It's Gobacon, which is, of course, Teo's home plane. Yeah, so Gobacon, we we know about Teo and his, like, light shield magic. There's yeah. a more particular term for the magic that they use. I think it's just shield magic. Mm-hmm. But um, when Teo first popped up in War of the Spark, there are some cards. I mean, Teo has his own card, and he was involved in the story somewhat. He was had a bigger role in the book, which mm-hmm. we don't really talk about. Understandably so. Uh, but Gobacon is also depicted on a plane from the March the Machine Commander set, uh, where they have some of the new planes featured as uh, the Western Cloud. Ooh. Ooh. So as you can kind of tell 
from this image, but I'll describe it. Don't worry. Uh, much of the landscape of Gobacon consists of some sand dunes and uh, more sand and then rocks covered by sand. <sighs> not a lot, uh, not a lot to work with there, but uh, the plane uh, has uh, settlements like people exist on this plane. They've found a way to live. Um, even though it also experiences some pretty harsh diamond storms, mm -hmm. which are pretty deadly. And I believe they proved to be kind of deadly. It's another part of the Frexians showing up. And being and then, like, oh, we did zero research. Yeah. Who would have thunk? Oh, I didn't pack a, an umbrella sort yeah. of reaction. Um, and the But the people, the inhabitants, they kind of rely on this uh, sect of monks known as the Order of the Shield Mage, to protect them from the diamond storms. And Teo is, or Teo was, a member of the Order of the Shield Mage. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's also, you can see Infected Defector as the flavor text, where they're like, the diamond storms of Gobacon hampered Phyrexia's progress until they recruited some of the local shield mages. So there you go. Oh, no. Uh, that... There you go. That's recruited. That's that's Gobacon, sandy, desert. Probably a good place to go pod racing, I suppose. Yeah, that that'd be great place to go pod racing. Magic needs more pod racing. You yeah. Know? All right. Get a note to Mark Rosewater. So speaking of, all right, going back to, we're just going in alphabetical order here. Uh, Carsus is another one of those deep cut planes. The invasion of Carsus. Uh, I really like this card just in limited because three damage to each creature in each planeswalker is pretty easy to get outside of if you're playing mm -hmm. red green. Uh, so yeah, I, I uh, I've had a lot of well, not a lot. I've had a couple of matches where I have a creature that is bigger than three toughness. Mm -hmm. My opponents do not. Yeah, I play this card. They no longer have creatures, and then I get to immediately attack my battle. Yeah, and then when you flip it. It becomes, uh, what is it, the Karsus Depth Guard? No, that's just another card in the set. It becomes that is another, uh, the Karsus, no, Refraction Elemental? Oh, yes, Refraction Elemental, because, of course, Karthus is, what, like a crystal plane? Yeah, it's, uh, it's all about that crystal. It's uh, originally depicted, so Karsus was originally depicted on... Mirrored Depths, mm -hmm. which is another plane chase plane. See everybody. Um, this one's kind of funny because it wasn't even released in the plane chase product, whereas a set, it was a promo. Oh, yeah, I see it. It says like DCI. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was World Wake that you picked this up. It was like a promo released around World Wake. Whoa, really? Yeah. And we have the mirrored depths. And you can see just a whole bunch of crystals. It's all crystals all the time here. Um, the plane is formed from crystals, and these crystals hold refractional properties that hurt both invading creatures and planeswalkers. Uh, you can see that on this card itself, the ability is whenever a player casts a spell, that player flips a coin. If they lose the flip, they counter that spell. Oof. And then when you chaos, a player reveals the top card of their deck, and if it's a non-land card, you can cast it for free. Except then it still just could get countered by the plane. Right. It's, so it's hard to do magic in here. It's hard to do anything that's productive except, I mean, if you are one of the elementals on the plane that is created, that has come from these 
uh, crystals. Mm -hmm. They're pretty good. What, I mean, is the, what does the refraction elemental do again? So it's a 4-4 four, four with ward pay to life. And whenever you cast a spell, it deals two damage to each opponent. I love that as a callback to what the plane chase plane does without yeah. being quite so frustrating. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think that a lot of the plane chase cards originally, I mean, for the just for the gameplay, they are really feast or famine, mm -hmm. um, which can lead to some cool moments in playing with them, but can also lead to some stinkers. And then when you're trying to modernize that, you don't exactly want something that just says, "Hey, if everybody gets unlucky, you can't play Magic: The Gathering." Yeah, like that's not great. No more spells for you. Mm -hmm. And then also just like the planes are kind of, this is the crystal plane. It's the plane with all the crystals here. If you go there, you'll find crystals or yeah, it's like you said with, um, Ergamon, right? Mm -hmm. They just read that description. They're like, okay, got it. Mountain, valley, lush, exotic fauna. Great. Yeah. We're done. And so check please these invasions these invasions kind of let them expand on them a bit and also helps different ideally will help differentiate them from other planes that have received like a full set release mm -hmm. that feel like they've kind of picked and borrowed from some of them like a coria right a coria if you took carsis and ergamon and you had this big lush valley canyon exotic fauna uh and then smoosh it with crystals we're probably getting closer to Ikoria. Right, yes. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, here's a here's a very old plane that I didn't realize had such a deep backstory, speaking oh, yeah. of being fleshed out. Tell me about Moag. So Moag's kind of funny. Uh, this is another plane that was originally depicted on a card called Fields of Summer from Plane Chase, which is idyllic, right? Just beautiful fields, flowers, trees... I you mean, get to gain life. Con you got to gain a bunch of life. Nice I place. Allergies be damned. I'd love to go in there and just take a big breath. Just a... Oh, yeah, pop, you know? a pop a reactant and planes walk here. <laughs> yeah. So it was originally depicted in the set from the original plane chase as well, not from the 2012 release. Mm -hmm. um, but it was first mentioned in the novel from 1998, Ooh. Planeswalker. So this novel was a sequel to the uh, novel The Brothers' War. Yes, because Urza's the planeswalker then in that book, right? Yes, yep. And so Urza and Zancha are trying to escape the Phyrexians in that novel. Um, and they're unable to return to Dominaria at the time. And so they're trying to find, you know, a plane to go and rest or uh, recruit help rally the the citizens of this plane. Mm. And Moag is one of the planes that they do escape to. It's described as a backwater plane. Uh, it's a hospitable world with abundant rich soil, a broad swath of temperate climates, and a wealth of vigorous cultures. Huh. And so they went there. Urza tried to rally its populace against the Fraxians, failed, and then was like, oops, I'm out. And then the Frexians attacked Moag oh. at that time. Jeez. And so, but I have some maybe good news because Moag was is around still, right? Yeah, they, and not particularly Frexian. They're being reattacked. Right. They survived. 
And this is actually called back on the flavor text of Timberland Ancient, a card from Mom. It says, only the trees were old enough to remember what happened when Moag ignored warnings of Phyrexia millennia ago. They were determined not to repeat the mistake. Oh, I love these super deep lore cuts as you get expressed in flavor text. What a great callback to the novel. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, exactly. And, and to have it represented by, you know, well, this is a tree folk. It's lived basically forever. Yep. It remembers and then can be like, no, no, no. This time we're fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember these. Oh, oh these, these assholes are back. <laughs> yeah. And this time they brought bits from the sky. No. Mm-mm, not happening. No. And I think the backside of Invasion. I mean, I like Invasion of Moag, but it's always been a bit slow for me in Mom Draft. And I don't know why. It seems like it should be able to really pop off. But... I got I to gotta tell you, it's I've done maybe... 10 to 15 drafts of this format i've yet to see it there are just still cards i've yet to find but i which is a shame because i like the the uh the flip side of it right it turns into some dryads four mana you get a counter on each creature you control that seems great even if you never flip it over the dryads are at the beginning of your end step put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control against the implacable oh my god I've, i just yeah. hit, i've done one of those things where i've never read this word aloud oh, no. <laughs> and then i'm like oh no will of phyrexia the triads of moag raised the shield of living summer oh you had another callback to fields of summer mm-hmm. oh mm, oh i love it Ooh, good job oh, team the payoffs oh i love it the payoff a plus work ah all right maraganda yeah. Maraganda, I described somewhat glibly as the dinosaur plane, but not the Ixalan dinosaur plane. The Ixalan dinosaurs are quite civilized and have, you know, rich, you know, stuff going on. This is more like primordial dinosaurs, yeah. this, right? This is a prehistoric plane. Right. Whereas Ixalan just has dinosaurs. Yeah. Basically, Ixalan just things there. There hasn't been something to get rid of the dinosaurs. But, yeah, you know, these, civilizations have. Yeah, these these are not cave dinosaurs no. on Ixalan. They they do tea. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but the invasion of Maragonda and Maragonda itself uh, has been around for a hot minute. It was first referenced in a two cards from Future Sight. Uh, the first one is Imperiosaur, which is well, it's a big dino uh, from a time where we didn't have a lot of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I and... recall people were excited about this. Yeah, creature type dinosaur. Right? It's a, it, it was a big it was a big deal. Uh, one of the few dinosaurs before this was from an unset. It was old fogey. So it was dinosaurs were kind of just like, you know, they I think there was a couple before, but it was mostly just a joke. Right. Like a ha ha. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the an ancient powerful force has overtaken the valley. I uh, sympathize for its inhabitants, but I rejoice for the land itself. Olanti Muragonda Druid. Hmm. So there are people and elves that live on Muragonda. Um, it's very druidic or shamanistic. And, you know, we haven't really seen much civilization being built. But there's uh, probably more iconically, there is a Muragonda Petroglyphs, which Imperiosaur says you can only cast it if you have basic lands. Mm-hmm. Muragonda Petroglyphs says... Creatures with no abilities get plus two, plus two, um, which, which is very cool and good. Right. I put this, this this is such a good clean card description. They put it on Patriot and Marvel Snap. Yeah, yes. I, <laughs> yes, yeah, I'll agree with you. Um, and so 
the whole no abilities is actually reflected on the flip side of Invasion of Moragonda, where it turns into some kind of ooze. I forget it's Primordial exact. ooze. Is it just primordial? No, primordial ooze is from Legends. Surely. Oh, primordial plasm. Sorry. No, don't worry about it. Sorry, my brain is on like turbo lore right now and oh, deep fair. cuts. And so if anything is like mentioned like that, I'm like, no, this is, that was the uh, pre-designed name for this card that, it, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but so primordial plasm only ca- uh, mentions losing all abilities until end of turn. That's why it does that. Mm-hmm. And gives plus two, plus two, not unlike the uh, petroglyphs. Oh, that's so clever. And there's another iconic ooze from Moragonda. Oh, yeah? Which is the Mimeoplasm. Yes. From, I forget which year of Commander. I, is it the original Commander? But the Mimeoplasm, big ooze with a dinosaur for a hand. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, which is something that I actually didn't connect until I started compiling the, a lot you, of this information. The, the, I didn't know. But it, I guess it makes sense. So, and there's one more Muraganda callback in Mom. Mm-hmm. There's a card called Ancient Imperiosaur, which is just the updated right. There it is. It's still there. It is mad now. And it's evolved a bit. It's uh, Now it costs seven mana, but it's a 6-6 six, six with Trample and Ward 2 and Convoke. It's so big. Yeah, it's mad. It does not like these Phyrexians. I do like that this card... Like when you look at it, your first, if you're the kind of player that wants to, you know, brew and is excited to like get the, make the most out of these kind of cards, your first thought is, oh, what if I just played this by convoking seven creatures, right? That's huge. And so it kind of has this, it's a very tenuous link, but it has this kind of link to Imperiosaur of like, Imperiosaurus has only basic lands, and when this, you might not even use mana mm. to cast it. So it's, the, you know, Imperiosaurus is a reduction for no no non-basics, only basics. And this one is no mana, only creatures. I think that's, I think that's neat. I think that's very neat as well. All right. Once again, back into the originally depicted in uh, Future Sight, Pyrulia. Ooh. So tell me about Pyrulia. So Pyrulia, uh, beautiful plane. This is some of my favorite. The Invasion of Pyrulia, this art, first and foremost, is some of my favorite art in the set. Um, and uh, the cards that mention and depict Pyrulia originally are also uh, pretty gorgeous art. So it was originally depicted on Horizon Canopy uh, and Edge of Autumn from Future Sight. And so you could see these gigantic leaves um, Basically, and and humanoid figures uh, for scale there. Uh, Pyrulia. So originally depicted here, but it was also first mentioned in a book. Uh, The novel The Thran from 1999. And The Thran is like the... That's like that's the, the beginning. Yeah, it's the yeah. precursor novels to like all this Brothers War stuff because The Thran were the people who came up with all of these Power Stone things. Mm-hmm. That's where Yogmoth got his start he was just a doctor back yeah then. he was just doctor it like he like you know he wasn't like you know horrible guy appearing in a phyrexian arena offering mm-hmm. nasty choices to you know gerard capisan he'd just somebody you'd go see if you had a cough yeah he was just a horrible guy coming into your house to be like oh you'll get better don't worry yeah 
don't yeah. don't worry about your power stone poisoning. I'm sure it's fine. Um, and so it was mentioned in that novel, the Thran, where Yogmoth was escorted to the plane by Dyfed. Uh. And Dyfed was, I, I believe Dyfed was looking to kind of like display their power and their ability. And it was just one of the planes where they're like, huh, see, see what I can do. And and Yogmoth was like, I could conquer this. File yeah. that thought away for later. Yeah, hey, I can make this better. Yeah. Uh, so Pyruli is a densely forested sphere around a central star. Uh, the structure of the plane is not unlike a Dyson sphere. So you have the star and then basically everything surrounding it, um, which is kind of cool mm -hmm. and good. Google Dyson Sphere if you're not familiar and just picture a bunch of leaves mm -hmm. and large trees floating around this. Uh, and then described in the book, in every direction, a vast rainforest. Millennial trees trailed nets of vine and moss hundreds of feet down to wet undergrowth. Cool. Cool plane. Mm -hmm. Also worth noting, uh, mentioning, it was uh, featured on the plane chase card, Horizon Bows. Oh, there it is with the giant leaves that release the sweet and spicy scent. Wow, that's just like a visual callback to the other thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like ex it's extended art of Horizon Canopy, almost. Yeah. Um, oh, and you can see the curvature. Mm -hmm. And it was actually another card that was a promo. Um, the, the plane chase card was a, not featured in the plane chase set itself, but a, an additional promo. Very cool. All right. Tell me about Regatha. 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 I've Regatha. got notes. Uh, so Regatha was originally depicted on the card Mount, uh, Keralia, which is from plane chase 2012, 2012. I did it again. 2012 plane chase 2012. It is a highly volcanic plane with Hellion and Elemental Firecats calling it its home. Um, Regothan Firecat being a card mm -hmm. that, well, is it's from a card. Regotha. It's a card. Yeah, they uh, just showed up randomly in M14. Yep. Uh, alongside, and then after, it's in Magic Origins. Uh, apologies to James because I didn't give him the art, but it's Ember Maw Hellion is another card that is oh, from Regotha. Regotha. Oh, I missed um, that one. There are a couple of other cards that mention it too, so apologies to James, uh, because uh, Abbot of Carol Keep <gasps> and Carol Keep Disciples, I think are their names, also from Regatha. Uh, Sean, both Chandra and Jaya at some point in time in their lives, RIP. Uh, yes, have gone to Regatha because it's the fire, the firebending plane, yes, essentially. Yes, but wait, there are more planeswalkers that have gone to Regatha. So... Regatha is known for a magical phenomenon called the Purifying Flame, mm. which is a magical fire of white mana that burns cool. Uh, it probes the soul of whoever enters the fire for their sins, uh, and it has the strength to destroy any mortal being or to drain all power from a planeswalker, including their ability to planeswalk. Oh, so don't go in there if you're a jerk, I guess. Yes. Uh, it is the source of power, this eternal, uh, the purifying flame. Uh, it's a source of power for the Order of Heliod. H-E-L-I-U-D. Very close to Heliod. Which is a, yes, which is a religious organization that seeks to bring law to the plane through hieromancy. So the, like, magic of law and binding, which you might remember is what Gideon used. And in fact... Uh, the order 
themselves and the flame caught the attention of Gideon Jura, who actually went to that plane and worked with them. Oh, I wonder if he was like, hey, he's like, hey, this is like Heliod back on my home plane. Yeah. Except that you guys are actually good and just, and Heliod's kind of a jerk. I don't, so I haven't read the, the material with Gideon because he ends up, the, I don't know how good the order is. No. <laughs> I think they may have... Also like, been bad? Yeah, they they tried to get him to like kill Chandra or something, and then oh. he was just like, I don't know if I should be doing this. Well, if you could give us some more information on the order of Heliod, do that in the comments below and let Please. us know. We might even read them this time because, you know, <laughs> might be something I want to hear about. So I, Hey, I read the comments every time, much to the chagrin of my doctors and mental health professionals in my life yeah i, I just try not to because i just fixate on things uh -huh. um speaking of things i'm fixated on <laughs> a plane i insist on seeing i got tagged as like something is like oh kathleen should do something about this and it's like i would love to write about this but i can't think of anything good uh aside from you know screl stepped in a puddle <laughs> it's the plane of segovia so I love Segovia because it's the it's the plane where everything is wee. Everything is so tiny. Um, you can on the card itself you can see just a boot kind of. Yeah, it's like down. one Phyrexian foot coming down into the middle of the vast Segovian ocean. Mm -hmm. And the krakens that are made are just one ones yeah. with trample. And even after you complete this battle, uh, invasion of Segovia turns into Kaistos, I think is the pronunciation. Yes. Kai Kaistos, if we're going by. Uh, oh, it's like it's tripping, no it's tripping the Phyrexian. I love this. Yeah, and so this is the Sea Tyrant of Segovia, and it's just a 3-3. Three, three. So Segovia originally referenced on Segovian Leviathan from Legends uh, that is just a five-mana 3-3 three, three with island walk and a Bible quote for flavor text. Um, it uh, is seen like Leviathan's were the biggest creatures in magic at the time. Mm -hmm. Like Leviathan itself from, I guess, the Dark, which came after, but uh, they, they were huge. That The sea monsters were supposed to be the biggest things in the game, basically. And this was a 3-3. And so this kind of came a, a joke internally. Uh, it was too small to be a proper le uh, Leviathan. Yeah, and that everything on Segovia is miniature. Mm -hmm. So it's a plane where everything exists in miniature, Um and when planeswalkers like go to Segovia, they shrink down. It's a one to 100 scale is what the wiki says. Um, so cute. Yeah, very tiny. Uh, so Segovia was first depicted, the plane itself depicted, I guess this technically depicts the plane, on uh, the, hip, the Hippodrome. The Hippodrome. I almost said Hippodon, different game. Uh, the Hippodrome. Uh, it's a uh, plane from Plane Chase itself that says all creatures get minus five, minus zero. <laughs> uh, and whenever you roll chaos, you destroy target creature if its power is zero or less. Um, I have one quote here from Nicol Bolas, where while the plane itself, as, as we saw on the Hippodrome, is not entirely submerged, mm -hmm. it's not all underwater, and as depicted in Segovian Angel, which is a one-mana, one-one no, flying vigilance. There's the Hippodrome Hippod in the background. Exactly, yeah. Um, it, uh, Nicol Bolas described it as being vastly aquatic, which is just kind of funny to me. 
vastly aquatic. I love the flavor text here. When Warzel summons Segovian angels to fight Tomil's Garganticari gnats, the ensuing the ensuing battle numbered among the multiverse's least destructive. <laughs> Describing anything as the least, least blank is yeah. always very good. Also, and I will say in the stories, when Vraska goes back to her apartment, mm-hmm. when she's like trying to shake off the Phyrexian control because there's still some Vraska rattling around in the back of her mind, she has a little Segovian chariot under a bell jar. Oh. That she was like, she apparently described it as like, she almost killed herself trying to get it back because it was a full-size chariot on Segovia. <laughs> but when she planes walk back to Ravnica, it like fit in the palm of her hand. Oh, so cute. Oh. Ah, very funny. Uh, all right. Uh, next, uh, next, another improbable plane. One that God, everybody in Magic seems thirsty to see more of. It's Xerex. Yeah, uh, Xerex is a cool plane that uses the letter X twice. So millennials are just hot for it. Yep. There's nothing more they want. It was originally depicted, depicted, depicted in Plane Chase 2012. Huh? See, got it there. On Stairs to Infinity. Um, it's an Escher-esque kind of plane with physics bending and kaleidoscopic geometric features, enormous underground passageways, and well, it's just kind of goofy. I mean, the name itself is a palindrome mm-hmm. to kind of fit into that theme. It says, players have no maximum hand size. Whenever you roll the planar die, you draw a card. And whenever you... Uh, roll chaos. You reveal the top card of, your, of the planar deck and can put it on the bottom of the planar deck. So, very weird. Very weird. Very weird indeed. And people like people like Xerax because you get um, things like the Vertex Paladin on the back mm-hmm. of the invasion, which is this cool six-winged angel thing that looks neat, and it's like the literal-minded Phyrexian made the greatest mistake possible on Xerix. They tried to understand what they were seeing because, yeah, reality bends on this plane. Yeah, it's interesting to see this angel kind of have a very, like, seraphim kind of yeah body all... and, like, the, the setting with all the geometry in the background and the six wings. Yeah, biblically accurate plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why people want it. This this plane is just right for the memes. Yeah. But there's another card called Xerox Strobe Knight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this artwork is just great. Just a bunch of shattering glass, which is also presumably the reality. I mean, mm-hmm. its name is Strobe Knight. Uh, Phyrexia broke the laws of reality to invade the planes. On Xerox, reality merely bent around the invaders. I'd like to think that the Realm Breaker tendril comes in and like splits into 16 different tendrils. Mm. And then like, you know, like in the, the Superman thing where the bad guys are like pounding on the like glass as they're being like throw, flung across the universe in like 1980s. Yeah. It's like that's the... that's what happened to any Phyrexians that went to Xerox. And like he's not doing anything. He's just walking around them. He's like, whoa. Well, it seems like it sucks for you. Yeah. Uh, oh, tourists. Yeah. I'd like to think people don't planeswalk to Xerix just because <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. You immediately get a wedgie. It's just a lot. Yeah. All right. And then this is, we come to the part of the podcast this is the only part that I help with. <laughs> I like to make sure that I take credit for work I've done and give kudos for work I didn't. Where There's a lot of uh, really like nice um references to other cards sprinkled throughout this set. Mm-hmm. Uh so the first one is Completed Huntmaster is actually 
uh, a card from Mom. It's like it's a um, a Lorwyn elf is a, a reference to Lee Solana Huntmaster, which is another Lorwyn elf. And you can see he's got like the same kind of like chest piece there, except mm -hmm. now it's a Phyrexian symbol. Yeah. Yeah. This Ooh. set. So this set is I mean, when, the last one we did for these cards, we tried to, you know, skip the very obvious direct references. Mm -hmm. So not cards where it's like, hey, this says Chandra. Did you know Chandra's a planeswalker? Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's just, I mean, we're going all over the all over the multiverse. Mm -hmm. So there are a bunch of cards like this where it's just like, hey, remember your friend from Lorwyn? Well, this is what they look like when they're completed. Yeah, what I like about this is like, he's got the dogs in his artwork and then mm -hmm. on Completed Huntmaster, there's like some sort of Phyrexian beast yeah. behind him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the different things that come out of the incubation eggs too. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's represented on one of the in the incubator tokens because the incubator tokens there are three different versions. Yeah. And one of them is this kind of weird looking dog thing. Right. Yeah. Gross. Ah, <sighs> all right. Next, uh, I feel like I feel like some people have noticed this, but I feel like less people have noticed this than I thought. There's a card called Phyrexian Archivist, which I saw somebody joking. It's like, oh, it's nice that you know we have Phyrexians. Maybe this is something that didn't make a cut from a video. I'm recalling this conversation, but I don't recall where I've seen it. Where it's like, it's nice that we have Phyrexians who just, you know, I just do paperwork. You know, I'm not really directly involved in it. But of course, this is a direct uh, reference. This is the Cogwork Archivist. This is the same creature. It's just been corrupted. How horrible. All their records. Ooh. Yeah. Arcavios has really gone through it. Yeah, they've... Do, in doing this especially, it's just like, oh, who's... Oh, okay, well, this person from there died. And this person's completed. Yeah. And this person's died. Oh, yeah. Oh there's no. a lot of people who ended up dying or getting completed in the multiverse. Yeah. Um, this is just some personal research that I like doing. I like looking up flavor text because you can search flavor text on Skyfall. Um, the Is It League seem to really like conduits. Uh, so there's like, um, if you look for flavor text conduit, you can see that there's, because Ral on the card Ral's reinforcement is like opening up like a, a pipe there. And it's like, good thing maintenance never got around to decatalyzing the bithermic plasma displacement conduits. So I did a search for that to see if that was a callback to any other kind of like weird flavor text thing. Yeah. And there's another flavor text referencing conduits. Uh, it's, it's a Ravnican card. It's the only other reference to conduits in flavor text is also on Ravnica. Sure strike. I pack three more electro conduits into the, each test wand. You'll experience a brief tingling sensation. Hee <laughs> hee. Uh, and then uh, it could be a reference to the fact that Ral's um, uh, War of the Spark card is Ral, the storm conduit. There you go. He is a conduit. I like to go back because occasionally you see like um, <clears throat> references that become real cards later. Yeah. So you never know. You always have to check. Anyhow, uh, next we have the Invasion of Dominaria gives you what's mostly a Sarah Angel. Yeah, this one's a pretty straightforward one in that Invasion of Dominaria flips into Sarah Faithkeeper, which is a four. Uh, it's a four-four flying vigilance angel. When Sarah Angels are all over the place on well, not all over the place, but they're on Dominaria. And mm -hmm. in fact, there's you know Dominaria and Sarah Angel that I think even like the framing on the angels. Kind of similar between the two cards. Mm -hmm. um, this is the one of the more shallow <laughs> kind of pulls. But hey, look, it's Sarah Angel. You like Sarah Angel, right? Yeah. 
Um, Sarah briefly appears in the stories to give Elspeth a pep, a pep talk. Yeah. As I said, she would. I'm never letting that go. <laughs> Seraph of, so, so speaking of angels, Seraph of New Capenna, which becomes a Seraph of New Phyrexia, as a reference to Fallen Angel. Yeah, so this is one that is, I'm willing to have it called out as kind of being a tinfoil hat. But, so Seraph of New Capenna is a 3-3, and it's a flyer that has a, an ability that when it attacks, you can sacrifice another artifact or another creature or artifact. And if you do, it gets plus two, plus one. And there's a card originally in Legends that's called Fallen Angel, which is a 3-3 uh, three, three flyer that sacks a creature to give it plus two, plus one. And that's a pretty tenuous relationship between, like, it's it's a little flimsy. Mm -hmm. But there's another card that, apologies, James, it's called Reaper of the Moon Silver from Eldritch Moon or Shadows over Innistrad. Uh, I forget which one. I think it's SOI, where it is also a five mana 3-3 three, three that when you have Morbid, it or when you have delirium, it gains the ability to sacrifice creatures and get plus two plus one. And so this seems to be something that's popped up a couple of times of when you ever have an angel and it gets well corrupted or fallen or oh. twisted in some way, ah. it turns into a three three flyer that can sack a creature or and in this case creature artifact to get plus two plus one. Uh, I do like uh, the the Seraph of New Capenna mm -hmm. in this set because I just think flyers are very good in this draft format. Yeah, I like uh, like attacking with something that my opponent can't block with. Yep, yep. Yeah. Pick up or you know, pick up a couple flyers. That's my that's my uh, advice. Oh, here's a here's here's something I don't know why I didn't think about this. Eyes of Gitaxius mentions Ekin. Who's read? Tell me about this. So. It says, no longer bound by the myopic limitations of flesh, Ekin would truly see the realms. So Ekin is referenced on the Hengegate pathway uh, slash Mistgate pathway, the double-faced modal card land, or double-faced land from Kaldheim, um, with Flavor Tax saying, I cannot read these runes, yet somehow they seem like a warning. Have we passed unknowingly into a new realm? Ekin Omen Seeker Navigator. Mm. Uh, the Omen Seekers are one of the five uh, human clans on Kaldheim or on Bredegard in Kaldheim. Because Kaldheim just has a whole bunch well, of stuff. Kaldheim has 10 realms. Yeah. And then, like, they're all, and then not, humans don't live, anyhow, yeah. Yeah. Getting into the weeds here. Yeah, Kaldheim uh, lore is not something that I'm super well-versed in. And so um, I did spend, while trying to figure this out, I was like, oh my god, Omen Seeker, that's what Cosima turns into. Like Cosima, the double that turns yeah, into yeah. the vehicle, uh, but that's Omen Keel. And um, I don't, I didn't need to share that, but I did. It's a moment of vulnerability. How you doing? <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, things that turn into other things. Oh, got there. Tarkir Duneshaper <laughs> turns into Burnish Doom Stomper. And he references By Here. The Dramoka Mage. Yeah, so By Here is a character that pops up in the Tarkir uh block, but because Tarkir has new timeline, old timeline. Right. Uh in the old timeline, Tarkir or sorry, in the old timeline. Baihir was known as Baihir Torn of Ear, and 
was an Inoch, so one of the dog warriors, um, that resented human dominance of the plane uh, and had planned to actually take over the clan should Surak fall. Mm. So if Surak wasn't able to, you know, fulfill the duties, then Bahir was like, I'm doing it. I'm going to become the number one. Uh, but in the new timeline, Bahir uh, is now referenced as the Dramoka Mage and is an Inoch master mage of both Sunbringer and Sandbringer traditions. Mm. So two pretty important things. Um, to, I guess, uh, the followers of Dramoka, and is referenced on the card's resupply from Dragons of Tarkir, as well as self-inflicted wound, also from Dragons of Tarkir. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just a lot. No, no, no reference on cards from the old timeline, just the new timeline. Mm. Speaking of an old timeline, let's reference some old stories. This is Jason Jace's origin story from mm. like Magic Origins 2015, where we get to find a little bit about Jace's background. We find out he's from Vryn, uh, and that's one of the places they go. Although Jace is not appearing in any of these stories, mm -mm. Uh, and uh, we find out that Gav Balaran, who's referenced on the back of Invasion of Vryn. As uh, the overloaded mage ring. That's Jace's dad. Yeah, I wrote Jace's terrible father um, <laughs> because I reading through this story, the Absent Minds, yeah. from twenty fifteen. The guy's just like kind of a jerk, very much. I he's think like he's like I'm a blue collar worker, and if you want to get anywhere in life, kid, you're just gonna have to get a good education because you're you seem real smart. The, like, I don't have any emotional vulnerability. I'm going to go work on the mage rigs. <laughs> the first thing he says, he doesn't say it, Jace just like reads his mind or hears his thoughts yeah, yeah. in that. It's just like, God, I wish you were normal. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just so brutal. Yeah. Just a jerk. I mean, in Gav Balaran's defense, you don't typically assume that people can hear your thoughts. That's true. That's something that's probably an inside thought. I do. I assume everyone can understand everything I'm thinking at all times. I can't even understand what people are thinking, even if they tell it to me. What's the opposite of um, uh, psychic? Unempathetic. That's it. That's me. <laughs> hey, how about some foxes? Uh, so in Mom, we have Etched Familiar, uh, which is a Fraxian fox. Yes. That has uh, an ability that causes someone to gain life, which is you. Uh, but it also causes his opponent to lose life. That's me. That's you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it has flavor text from Chami or Kami Curio Vendor that yeah. says, no refunds. Uh, this card is very similar. It's a callback to Filigree Familiar, another three mana fox from Kaladesh. But we also have we also have uh, flavor text from Chami Curio vendor, uh, it's the must-have gift for everyone on your list. Get one for yourself, too. And then, this is a stretch, sorry, James, but there's a card from Kaladesh called Curio Vendor, which may or may not be Tommy on the art. Um, it could just be a general Curio Vendor. There's quite a few of them on Kaladesh, but step right up, try your hand, it'll thrill the senses and boggle the mind. Mm. So it's nice. To, I like it when they have characters just only referenced in flavor text, but it's kind of their dialogue is like consistent and that's like the tone that they would take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's nice. 
Uh, all right. So you have next note, we have Hanger Scrounger slash Reckless Racer as a mechanical callback. And that was a bit of a pun. Um, ah. Because this is a creature that when it becomes tapped, you could discard a card. And if you do draw a card, and it's a pilot uh, from Kaladesh, and it's in like a hangar where you would have some vehicles stored and all that. Uh, and it's just kind of looking for parts. And then the Reckless Racer... Uh, is a different pilot. This one's a human, uh, but it also just has the text of when it becomes tapped, you could discard a card. And if you do draw a card, so they both kind of have that same uh, mechanical uh, overlap there. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's a Kaladesh thing, apparently. Um, all right. I'm going to go slightly out of order. Sure. I'm going to say, let's talk about marauding dreadship quite uh, quickly. So marauding dreadship. I've heard this is actually just, just, good oh i love this card yeah it just kills people dead okay i gotta try it yeah i've cut it from every deck because i'm like is it good though i was definitely hesitant about it and then um i lost to it once and thought wow this sure does kill a battle and also me and yeah, leave another body. crew yeah yeah and it's got haste so that's powerful yeah so marauding dreadship is in my opinion, a callback to Dusk Legion Dreadnought. So this is another... They uh, kind of look the same. Look, there's exact, something at the front. Oh, the amount of time that I spent just looking at the five boats from Ixalan trying to be like, uh, does that... Does that... What's the front of a boat? Somebody's going to tell me. The prow. The prow. Whether the prow lines up, uh, the, do the sails kind of line up? Uh, they both have crew too. Mm -hmm. They both have four power mm -hmm. and they have a very similar prow. And so I was like, yeah, great. This look. And they both have dread in their name. That's this true. This is a dread knot and it just turns into the a, a dread ship. Yeah. Because right. I guess it loses that qual the ship qualification. Yeah. Because yeah. it's alive now. Yeah. Um, um, and then the last thing we wanted to reference, which is this is a, this is I think a very cool callback and possibly relevant for all of you Vorthoses out there for like possible other things that we might be exploring later, is uh, Onaki Javelinier mentions the Chain Veil, so we get to see an Onaki there. Uh, Onakis are these race of ancient ogres, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they they live on Chandelar. Which we, of course, we have the invasion of Chandelar, but it's not really. It's from the video game. Yeah, there's like a, the, the game, game Chandelar, and yeah. then cards from Chandelar have popped up a bit throughout more modern corsets. Um, and I was thinking about including it on this, but all the info. There's so much information on Chandelar. There was too much to really pull in. Uh, people really like it. People know about Chandelar. We don't yeah. need to be covering it in our deep cut. Episode. Yeah, it's uh, the TLDR is that it's got some pretty wild magic and mana that is kind of just long, loose, and full of juice, just flying around everywhere, which is potentially explains why. How can something from Ravnica seep into like it says with the waves between worlds thrown about? Oh, I guess this is why with the waves between worlds thrown open, the chain veil's foul magic seeped from a vault deep within Ravnica all the way to Chandelar's dormant masters. Right, because the because the chain veil is supposed to contain all the magic of the Onaki, right? Which is like this yeah. race of like huge 
magic ogres essentially. Yeah. But then they were rude dudes with attitude. Yeah, there there is a card that represents Onaki from Magic Origins or Magic from M15, which is also where the Chain Veil was first mm-hmm. introduced. Yes. So. It's probably nothing. That's probably nothing. It's yeah. probably probably not another problem for Ravnica to deal with. No. Yeah, it's, it's whatever. They, they're fine. Ral invented a machine that would turn oil into explosions. Good. Great. It sounds good. I'm sure they'll recover swimmingly. I, yeah, I'm sure that like a super densely populated plane isn't going to have you know major trauma. No. And probably lots of property destruction. I'm sure they're okay. Yeah, they're fine. I'm sure there's parts of Ravnica that are basically untouched because they're not very exciting. Yeah. It's a whole city. Like, it's a whole, the whole plane's a city. There's got to be parts that are not cool and don't have good coffee shops. Yeah, it's so big. There's yeah. there's some real, real, you don't need to go there Yeah, spots. Yeah, that neighborhood, nothing. Uh, like, it's fine, but like, why would you go there? Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, your time's better spent going elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, but hey. Speaking of time better spent, I can't think of a better way of spending time than learning all about these great lore deep cuts with you, Wheeler. Thank you so much for preparing all this. This was a lot of work that I did not help with at all. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great to be here. And thank you for being such a trooper through this episode, Kathleen. I uh, appreciate there, it. There are certainly a lot of lights that come right right from above Yeah. into the top of one's sunglasses, that, but we're okay. Yeah, that was something I learned uh, right after I got my concussion. It was... Uh... <laughs> yeah, so not the most ideal. We need some sunglasses. We need to have some. We need to have some brimmed hats. Normalize. Yeah, just give us some very large brimmed hats. Yeah, like a big sun hat for like yeah. doing gardening. Yeah, these these are these are the brain ouch hats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you have a brain ouch. Why don't you tell us about it in the chat as long as you can look at a screen? Yeah. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you so much uh, for uh, for weighing in and engaging with those engagement gods. Why not bongle that dongle if you're interested in getting more updates from the from the YouTube channel? But also a big thanks to cardkingdom.com. They are a veritable kingdom of card and they are a kingdom of buttons. So if you make an order from them and you say loading early run sent me button please we'll send you a button what will it say we don't know but you'll find out and of course your kind support of our patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run your money goes to paying our salary and while we don't have big brain hurdy hats Mm-mm. maybe we could put a line item for a thing to buy as a brain hurting hat yeah i mean my brain is recovered but even now that I can do this without sunglasses, I often catch myself going like, I can use sunglasses and a big brimmed hat. Yeah. You know, it's just quality of life upgrade. I think so. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. This has been Tap Tap Concede. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.